Good morning, everyone. It is the 11th of October. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Seamus Lyons and Alex Byrne. There were some big news stories coming out of the US last week, including the much-anticipated unemployment data for September. The Federal Reserve Chair, Jay Powell, was hoping for what he called a, a decent number. Seamus, how did the numbers look? Good morning, Lorna. Yes, the uh, highly anticipated monthly payrolls report was released Friday morning, and it's fair to say they received a mixed reaction. So the Labour Department reported that non-farm payrolls grew by 194,000 in September, but this is well below market and consensus expectations, which were around 500,000. So the workforce participation rate, this ticked lower as well. This was actually quite surprising for many people because we had seen an expiry of unemployment benefits during the month, and so that was expected to help the participation rate. Also, we saw the scarcity of job seekers. This was reflected in another month of strong strong wage gains. So the average hourly earnings rose by 0.6%, which is more than forecast. And also the weekly hours also hit their highest level since May, so a number of 34.8 hours worked. So you know, some of these were not very positive points for the market, but there were some brighter spots as well in the report. So the pre- previous month's number for August that was revised higher and also the overall unemployment rate actually fell to 4.8%. So, you know, it was a mixed report, but probably disappointing on the most part. Yeah, slightly conflicting messages there. Could this prompt the Fed one way or another when it comes to scaling back its pandemic era stimulus? Despite the weaker elements to the report than was expected, you know, market participants do not seem to have altered their views dramatically as a result. So a strong report would have supported the view that tapering will be announced as expected at the next Fed meeting in November. And whilst this has not happened, the jobs report did appear to foster a rise in long-term bond yields on Friday after the release. This built on what was also a higher yields from earlier in the week as well. So for instance, the, the yield and the benchmark 10-year Treasury note, that briefly touched uh, 1.62 on Friday, so its highest level since early June. I mean, ultimately, the fall in the unemployment rate, the continued strength, should we say, in wage inflation, this gives comfort to market participants that the Fed is likely to stay on track for a November announcement on tapering. So so yeah, even though the report did probably disappoint on the whole, the market seems to still feel that the Fed is going to stay the course and begin tapering as expected. We also had Congress agreeing to extend the debt ceiling through to early December. What is this debt ceiling? Why is this so important to the US economy? Yeah, sure. So this certainly has been uh, grabbing a lot of headlines in the last couple of weeks. So the debt ceiling, or also called the debt limit, is simply the amount of money that the government is allowed to borrow. And the government uses this to meet its existing obligations, things like government salaries, military salaries, social security benefits, tax refunds, and also actually payment on its debt, so interest payments. And so when the US Treasury reaches this debt limit, then it has to start leveraging what they call extraordinary measures to conserve their money. Such measures can include you know, suspending sales Treasury securities are actually, for instance, not paying interest on their debt, a default on their bonds. And this is kind of spooky market somewhat. And also in late September, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, she told lawmakers in Congress that the US government will run out of cash, pay its obligations by October 18. So since then, there's been a lot of political theatre between you know the two main parties in the US. And as you can imagine, this is unsettled markets. Yes, always with an element of brinkmanship there. So how did the markets react to this particular story? 
Sure, yes. They got the week off to a pretty weak start, actually, on debt ceiling worries because Joe Biden had come out and said he couldn't guarantee that the US would not default on its debt. But actually then, as the week went on, some progress was made. And on Thursday, stocks rallied because reports came out that the Senate Republicans, they had agreed to take up a bill that would raise Treasury's borrowing limit by $480 billion. This would allow the federal government to keep paying its bills right through to at least early December. So obviously markets reacted very positively to this because it is something that had been weighing on them for many, many weeks. Yes, can kick down the road quite successfully for a couple of months at least. Thanks for that, Seamus. Alex, we move on to Europe. We saw natural gas prices soaring to record highs, in fact, last week. And oil prices have also been on the rise. There's a clear knock-on here to inflation more generally. And we have discussed this before on the podcast. And it's been a dramatic move, particularly for natural gas. Is this enough to change the dial on European Central Bank rhetoric? Morning, Lola. It's definitely part of the conversation, I think, at the Central Bank, but whether it's enough in itself to change rhetoric or uh, or the entire decision-making process is a much, much bigger challenge, I think. So at one point last week, natural gas price reached 10%, 10 times the price it did at the start of the year, which shows you how far we've come. Demand on gas is obviously fairly seasonal, but it's hard to panic buy gas in the same way that we've seen petrol in the UK or other items. But there is some increased demand from the recovery, but much more a problem with supply and reserves mainly. And this brings into the fold Russia. It's political as well as monetary and fiscally led. I guess one of the key things about the central bank rhetoric is that the core inflation is the focus rightly or wrongly you know people still have to buy those things but rightly or wrongly core inflation is the focus gas is also definitely on the more temporary side of things when we talk about inflation and that immediate supply and demand imbalance is one that's clearly evident with gas i think probably it takes the course more of industry support rather than affecting central bank policy but it's obviously cumulative if we have enough of these individual factors at the same time it may force more fiscal support and potentially even monetary support but i think it's fairly unlikely in its own Yes, thanks for that. But if we can stay with you for the week ahead then, Alex, we get CPI inflation data for the US and also the minutes from the latest Federal Reserve meeting. Any thoughts on what we can expect from those two? So on the CPI, we expect a slight increase in month-on-month core CPI from 0.1 to 0.3. Very steady on the core CPI year-on-year, 4%, and overall CPI year-on-year, 5.3%. So very steady from last month, but clearly still very, very high numbers. Continuing to be led by supply chain bottlenecks and some additional elements that have come in this month have been around some healthcare servicing. We've seen some increase in used car sales pricing. We have had some stabilization in the prices of leisure and travel areas, so and airlines and hotels, things like that, all stabilised. So we are getting some elements that are stabilising and moving up and down. But I mean, the key one there is probably the supply chain bottlenecks that I can see consistent and remaining for a good few months to come. And the Fed minutes, probably just repeating what we already know and what the market already knows, some advanced warning of the tapering that may soon be warranted, as the Fed mentioned, sort of concluding tapering May 2022 is expected. So that implies tapering of somewhere around £15 billion per month. Right, we shall look at those details with interest. And then, of course, Seamus, we have the Q3 reporting starting in the US. Anything of note there? Yes, so the third quarter earnings season begins this week. 
you know, whilst earnings are still expected to grow at a decent pace, we will begin to see a slowing growth relative to the previous quarter. As a reminder, the Q2, the second quarter earnings, there was record numbers there on many, many measures. It was a phenomenal quarter. So, you know, we are most likely past peak earnings growth in that respect. But again, it will be a good quarter for earnings. So as per normal, we'll start with many of the big banks. So Goldman Sachs, they're going to report their third quarter earnings on Friday. This is often focused on because it's a bellwether for investment banking, which is an industry thriving right now with a lot of M&A activity going on. We also have JP Morgan, they report on Wednesday. So again, they'll provide a nice outlook on, on loan demand and, and overall consumer spending. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks actually on the earnings side. So yeah, we'll watch with pleasure. We will indeed. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna. Thank you, Lorna.